welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for this special series, Women's Conference 2023 on Fellowship. This is Stillwater Bible Church's Women's Conference that they held in 2023, and they had several breakout sessions as well as a special guest speaker. We hope that you enjoy these lessons. Thanks again for joining us. I feel a little more put together this morning because I knew this was the outfit that I was going to wear because my daughter picked it out for me. Um, So I knew what to grab for today. Uh, But I feel so honored to be here. I really do. And um, my husband and my daughter are the speakers. This is Christy, are the speakers. And uh, when I was sharing with a friend what I was going to be doing, uh, she said, well, just share from your heart. And that's what my husband said, too. You don't have to expound the scriptures because my gift is not teaching. She said, just, he said, just share from your heart. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm just sharing from my heart. But I would like to start out with prayer. Holy Spirit, we invite you to take control of me as I share and then of each heart that's here in this room. I pray that you would speak to us in the way that our hearts need to be spoken to. And Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that because of you that we can even be here, that we can worship you. And and, uh, I thank you too for the freedom that we still have to be able to meet together in public. And so I commit this time to you And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Did I read 1 Peter 4 last night? I can't remember. But let's turn there. Um... Again, because this is the scripture that we're going to be focusing on. I think I did. (laughs) What? Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Um, Okay, so 1 Peter chapter 4. Verses 7 to 10. This is our key passage. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. 
As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So verse 7 says um, prayers. That's, I, that's a first como- component, I believe, in true, having true fellowship. And thank you for turning on the lights now I can see your faces. <laughs> and then verse 8 have fervent love for one another. In verse 9, be hospitable. And then verse 10, using our spiritual gifts. So I want to start out with prayer because the first component to fellowship is prayer. Now, all of you would agree that the way that our country is going, the way the world is going, we need a lot of prayer. One thing I pray for our grandchildren, which, by the way, I have 15 grandchildren and three waiting for us in the kingdom. Um, I pray that, that God will help them to walk upstream as our culture is just rushing downstream. And also, it's important to pray because the rapture is going to come. This friend of mine have this little thing going. We look outside. Hey, if it's cloudy, hey, today could be the day because it says, you know, we're going to be caught up together with him in the clouds. It's a sunny day. Well, I guess he could make it cloudy, couldn't he? (laughs) Um, And so we need to be prepared for Christ coming again. A friend of mine, another friend of mine, um, likes to uh, uh, put it in the terms of, is that we want our wedding dress to look beautiful. We want to get rid of any spots on it. There's, we don't want it to get uh, torn. We want us, we want our wedding dresses to be in perfect condition and beautiful for when Christ returns. So we need to get rid of what's ever hindering us, what's ever spotting us. And prayer is a big part of that too. It's interesting that this verse says that we are to be of sound judgment and sober spirit. And... So I was asking my husband uh, about this and, and uh, the way that he explained it I thought was good is that we don't need to panic when we see all these bad things happening. We don't need to be reactive as our country is just so rapidly going downhill. Um, And more and more Christians are being targeted because after this passage, Peter talks about persecution. And uh, we could face that in our nation. So we don't need to be frightened. um, And we don't need to spend all our energies um, trying to fight against wokeism or whatever else they want you know, they want from us. But be sober and pray. 
Not that we don't need to be aware, but just, just don't make that your main focus. And I know that prayer is not a new subject for you. <clears throat> what might be new for some of you is praying with other people. <clears throat> I've seen women praying together after church. <clears throat> Sometimes I have called someone up who I knew would appreciate being prayed for. <clears throat> the, other, <clears throat> sorry, the other day a friend called me up telling me how discouraged she felt. Thank you. I was trying to get rid of this before I uh, came up. She was telling me how discouraged she was, so I ended up our time praying for her. And I love going out for coffee. Um, and by the way, that's what I'm going to be doing in the kingdom and for eternity, is sitting around with women, drinking coffee. All these specialty coffees that someone is going to be uh, putting together. Um, but I like to finish our time together with prayer. Sometimes you have to go out in the car to have privacy. Um, the early church focused on prayer. And in an Acts 2.42, um, we looked at this too. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So that was a very important thing for them. And it was part of their daily routine. But you know, it takes humility to share what we need prayed for. We have to open up, and I shared last night, it's not my natural tendency to open up to other people. But on a side note, be wise who you open up to because you want to make sure that it will stay confidential. Um, I have learned that lesson too. But it's so encouraging to know that someone else is praying for you. And you know, it's really encouraging to hear someone praying for you out loud. So as we pray together, as we share life together, we have fellowship with one another. We're walking together through life. And it's really fun then to share together in answered prayer. Well, what if someone feels uncomfortable praying out loud? My friend Marcy grew up in a Lutheran church, and they never prayed out loud. Um, individually, they might recite a prayer all together, but to pray on a small group, that was, that was really scary for her. But she wanted to be a part of our prayer group. And so what I did is I wrote out scripture on three by five cards, and I gave a different scripture to every lady in our group. And what we started out doing was just praying that scripture. So she had her card, and she just read it. And she could do that. Um, and then eventually she started adding words to that scripture. And then in time, we didn't use those cards at all. 
and she became very comfortable praying. And she was one of the ones that um, we prayed our kids through high school. And prayer is just talking to God. It's not talking to those around you. You might feel like you can't come up with the right words or you're going to say it wrong, but God really doesn't care. He just wants us to talk to him. And if it helps, just find that one person that you can pray with. But just do it. Now, there are some practical ways to pray in a group setting. Have you been with a group of ladies and you spend all your time sharing your requests that at the end of it, the leader will say, okay, let's close in prayer now, you know, and I'll, I'll pray all the requests. Or, Lord, you know all the requests that have been shared this morning. I pray that you will answer those um, sometimes I am so guilty we just get into too much detail and then it takes too long in order to protect ourselves from that I recommend something have everyone write their prayer request down on a 3 by 5 card and then you pass it to the person on your left and you then and then you do your prayer time, you pray for what's on your card then. So you don't spend so long sharing prayer requests. Um, Sometimes we pray our prayer requests. We just start out right away, and I pray what my prayer requests are. And then those ladies learn to know what it is, and they can pray for it later on. But praying together brings us closer together than few other things do. And then it's exciting to see God answer. And again, it's so nice knowing that someone is praying for me. And I must admit, I struggle with prayer. I also know that Satan works very hard to keep us from praying. What helps me stay focused and consistent is praying with others. Like when I pray with my husband, I, I, can, I stay focused. I don't start drifting off on something else. Um, and I also try to pray for things right away. Has it happened to you like to me? You tell someone you're going to pray for them and then you see them again and you think, oh my word, I forgot to pray for that person. Um, But just as throughout the day someone comes to mind, pray for that person. Uh, This one lady, she likes to iron and she will pray for whosoever she's ironing for. <clears throat> As you're doing housework around the house, pray for your child whose toys you're picking up or, you know, whatever. As you're cleaning the bathroom, pray for those who use that bathroom or, you know, make housework have a point to it. <laughs> But just start 
start praying. And again, I encourage you to pray with other people. The next thing it mentions is um, having fervent love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, no one denies that we need to love people. The the LBGTQ movement looks at love as endorsing their lifestyle. And many wives look at love as their husbands doing things for them. If my husband really loved me, he would do this for me. But how does God define love in our relationships with one another? And how can we have fervent love for one another and why is this important? So what exactly is fervent love? I'd like for us to read 1 John 3, 16 to 18. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his own heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Jesus showed his love for us by giving his life for us. And I want to add that if there is anyone here who doesn't know for sure whether, where they're going to be spending eternity, it's so simple. You just have to know that it's true that Jesus died for you. That he is the way to have eternal life. Discipleship is hard. But receiving eternal life is just knowing it's true that you need Jesus. And uh, so if any of you aren't sure I hope that you make sure of that. We show our love for each other by deeds of kindness, giving our life for others. And ladies, it's what we do. It's not what we feel. Our words mean nothing if actions don't back it up. So, how hard do we have to work at this? The word fervent comes from a word that describes the muscles of an athlete straining. It means putting forth a lot of effort. When I was a sophomore in high school, I went out for track. And believe me, when I was running those sprints, I was putting forth every effort I could, straining all my muscles 
to run as fast as I could. But it also means loving when it's not convenient. Like I said, it just takes plain hard work. Now, are there any exceptions? Surely there must be some exceptions. What about people who have no intentions of making things right with us? They just dislike us. Let's look at 1 John 2, 9. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Well, let's read verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. If I say that I'm in fellowship with God by harboring hatred in my heart, I'm actually walking in darkness, which means that I'm out of fellowship with God. It's easy to say that, you know, I really don't like that person, or I can't stand her. She's just so difficult. But you know, God calls it hatred, and that's what we need to call it too. We need to admit that to ourselves, that it's really hatred that's in our heart. And God does not think anybody is an exception at all. There was a woman in uh, one of the places we lived who had gone to Bible college because she wanted to be a missionary or a pastor's wife. And she called, or she thought of that as the two highest callings that there could be, which, by the way, is not true at all. We each have a high calling. And, um, but there was a a problem. She married a farmer. And so she never became a missionary in her mind, and, and she never became a pastor's wife. And I became the focus of her jealousy because my husband happened to be the pastor of that church. So she criticized everything I did. She criticized my kids. She criticized how we spent our money. I couldn't handle being with her, but I couldn't handle being away from her either. After agonizing how to handle this, God gave me an an idea. Every time I saw her um, serving other people, helping those in need, working with the children, I complimented her. And that made my bad feelings go away, and I, and I developed a cat compassion for her. Did she change? No. But I changed in my heart. And God does provide opportunities for those that we struggle with. But he doesn't expect us to have those warm, fuzzy feelings for, for people. But he does encourage us to extend Loving actions. There was this other woman that, in another place, um, that felt that it was a brand new church and she started feeling that Don was leading the church in the wrong direction. So 
she started to campaign against him, which led to a big church mess and a church split. A year later, Don was driving downtown, and he noticed that a car had stalled in the middle of the street. And then he noticed who the driver was. It was this lady. He he started getting all these bad feelings again towards her, and they wanted to overcome him. Then he remembered this passage. It's Romans 12, 21. Romans 12, 19 to 21, which I'd like to read. One thing about Bible teachers that's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine, they usually don't wait long enough for you to open your Bibles and find the verse, right? (laughs) Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So he knew what he had to do. So he went up to her and he offered to push the car off to the side. Now she declined his help. But in doing that, this evil that wanted to overcome him, doing just offering to do good, pushed it back. And that's what it means, overcoming evil with good. It pushes that evil away from you. You know, and from then on, he never struggled with bad feelings towards her. But not only are we to extend love to difficult people, there's a whole lot of other peoples that we like and we can get along with. Uh, This seems easy, but it's taking the time to do it. And time can easily slip away. So here are some ways that you can do this. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring people to mind that need your prayers. One thing that um, I like to do also with, in praying is that, um, like when we're going down the street and I see someone walking, I'll pray for that person. And, I, and that whenever I hear an ambulance going off, I'll pray mainly that they will know Jesus if they're in a really bad, bad place. Um, One time we were not far from our house going down and there were um, all these inmates that were picking up trash. And I thought, well, that's a good opportunity to pray for them, that they could come to know Jesus. And there's a couple in our church that are struggling with their marriage and so... When I see them on Sundays, I pray for them 
and our and the Holy Spirit will bring people to mind and ladies pray for it right away so you don't forget and send cards of encouragement um, the the gal that was leading our worship over here playing um, I saw her handing out cards this morning and I don't know what was in the cards um, but she said she had a hard time falling asleep last night, so she decided to write cards. And um, that is so encouraging to get a card. There's just something different about uh, a text. But to get an actual card from someone. One of the elders' wives in our church in Virginia had a card ministry. She loved making cards. She had a workroom, and there was uh, all this... Um, supplies to make cards and then she sent cards to so many different women I got a card every two months all it said in it was I prayed for you and that meant a lot to me and you can buy little cards I found them at the Billy Graham conference center there maybe your Christian bookstore here has it that says, I prayed for you today. You know, send out, send out cards like that. And then I encourage you to find a prayer partner. And this is someone you meet with on a regular basis. And throughout the years, as I said, we prayed my kids through school. We prayed for our husbands. And we prayed for other concerns. Um, it started out in Whitewater, Kansas. Uh, a gal there we met once a week to pray together and um, and in Virginia too for like for six years there was a a lady who when I first saw her I decided she was going to be my friend and uh, we met together and you know she became such a close friend. When you pray together, it deepens the relationship. And as a little side note, ladies, that's why you shouldn't pray with a man. There's something intimate about praying with a man. Now, if your husband is there or if it's in a, you know, a group and it's a group prayer request, but, ne- but don't ever pray one-on-one with a man. But because it really does deepen our relationship with that person quickly. Another thing you can do is pay attention to lowly people in your church. Um, when Don was a, a youth pastor, there was uh, two single gals in the church um, that we decided to invite over to our house. You know, they had never been invited over to someone's house. It made them feel so important. Like they were worth something. And there was one gal that I uh, invited myself over to her house saying, I'd like to come visit you. You know, no one had ever done that either. And um, to have me come visit her meant the world to her. And so you never know. I don't know how many widows you have in this church. I'm sure you have some. Well, I know there's one in the back there, a recent widow. But they need special attention too. When we lived in Kansas in the 80s, 
um, our ladies would draw a name for that person to be your sister for, this, for the year. And I drew the name of a widow. And on her card, she listed when her anniversary day was. So on that date, I brought a red rose over for her. And she shared with me that other people didn't recognize her anniversary anymore. But yet that was a very important day for her. And that's what I call, uh, that started what I call my widow's tease. And, and um, we, that's, it started in Kansas. And, um, and then throughout the years, I have done this where I had a wedding cake there. I asked the widows to bring a wedding picture or any mementos. Um, you know, they rarely talk about their wedding day after their husbands are gone. People usually don't ask them about that. It was so much fun listening to their stories, and they had so much fun sharing about their wedding day or a wedding memento. Um, sometimes we had wedding dresses brought or hung, hung up. Um, but that has been my favorite ministry. And a, a friend of mine called me up just uh, a few weeks ago saying that they were going to have a Valentine tea with the widow ladies there. I'm thankful that another lady a widow herself has taken over this group. And um, I now have two widows in our church. And um, I, I have invited them over for tea, just having our own little tea party. And uh, I've, I uh, love talking to them. And ladies, they have taught me so much that, you know, I, it gives me comfort. If they are making it through, I'll be able to make it through too. Um, and older ladies, and I'm one, encourage the young moms. They have a very hard job. And... It's like you do the same thing over and over. You do clean the house, you do the dishes, you do laundry, you start the next day, start all over again. Your checklist never gets totally filled. And, you, and it's really hard to get that sense of accomplishment um, that what you did this day, you could be busy all day and your husband can ask you what you did today and you you stop and think, well, I don't know. I'm not sure what I accomplished this today. Um, and it's a thankless job. I am reaping the rewards of all those years uh, that I put into being a mom. But it seems like a long time before you start reaping rewards. And older ladies... The younger moms need to know that they're doing a good job. So let them know that they're doing a good job. Um, And then another one is greet 
other people Sunday morning instead of quickly walking out. It's, that's easy to do if you're more on the shy side. Um, actually, it's not natural for me to walk around greeting people. But I know it's important to do. And, but I do like hearing people's stories. Um, and sometimes I make it a point to at least greet one person after church on Sunday morning. Some of you might, might be thinking, but I'm so shy. You know, I don't really know very many people, but I tell you, being shy is no excuse. If that person is standing alone, you see someone standing alone, believe me, that person is feeling more awkward than what you're feeling. And it's our responsibility to have fervent love for other people. Just go up and say hi and ask them how their week went. Um, When I was in high school, I stuttered really badly, and I couldn't talk. So this is my philosophy. If you can talk, you can go greet somebody. (laughs) Um, Because you can be thankful that you can talk. And you make someone else feel noticed. Volunteer to bring meals to those who need it. When my daughter was sick, people brought meals for three years and then for a year afterwards. Pay, um, um, they had someone pay for their house to be cleaned for those three years also and for a year afterwards. One time... Um, I went over to clean a lady's house. She was going through chemotherapy and and couldn't clean her house. Now, do I like cleaning house? No. But I went. But it brought me joy. And it helped her so much. And it encouraged her too. Another thing you can do is take your kids to go visit elderly people. So many of them don't have contact with kids. And they love kids. It it brings that youthfulness into their life. And have your kids make cards, you know, and you can give those cards to that that person. But those are people that can easily be neglected, too. Um, Some of them can't see at night very well, and they won't come to something at church in the evening so you can volunteer to give them a, uh, a ride. So these are just a few examples that you can show love to the body of Christ. Working and serving together promotes unity, and it helps bring that family feeling. And the more we learn to know each other, the more we uh, can minister to each other, and that promotes that fellowship. So prayer Praying with each other deepens those relationships and promotes that fellowship. Fervently loving one another, even going out of our way, that promotes fellowship with other believers. 
So you might be asking, how does love cover a multitude of sins? Well, I want to give you an example. There was someone who deeply disappointed me. And I became very bitter. And finally, my, my daughter told me, she goes, Mom, I start dreading when you come visit uh, because you complain about that person. And our bitterness will seep into those around us too. And I, had, I knew I was bitter, I, and, I, and this went on for a while. And I knew I needed to get rid of that bitterness. Um, but I couldn't pull the root out. My daughter suggested I go through a program called Fresh Start. It's based in Omaha, Nebraska. And that took me on this road of, and it was, it's all scripture. And by the way, if you want to know more about this, you can Google Fresh Start for All Nations. And so it was a one-on-one with a lady named Carol. And took me through this process and in the end I realized what a sinner I was and if I'm such a sinner how can I not forgive other people in fact God hates self-righteousness and when you condemn other people you know even saying he's such a jerk or she she is such a jerk You're making yourself to be a judge. And there's only one judge. And, um, you know, Christ condemned the Pharisees more than anybody else because they were so self-righteous. And that's what I was. But I was a sinner, just um, probably more so than that person that I thought that kept hurting me. And... So with her help, I was able to pull out that root of bitterness. And now I can remember those things without feeling that bitterness. And it gave me a freedom. When you're bitter with somebody, you're chained to that person. But when that chain is broken, it releases you from that person. And actually, it it chains them to God then. And And you're free. I didn't complain about that person anymore. And, and so it covered up that person's sins in my heart. And it also covered up their sins to other people too. And so that's how, how um, love can cover a multitude of sins. So I encourage you to have this fervent love for one another. People who are striving together, running together, living life together, praying together, they are fellowshiping fellowshipping together in a deeper way than they ever were before. Well, that's all for True to the Bible podcast this time. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you did, or if you want to listen to some other lessons on True to the Bible podcast, make sure that you subscribe or like this podcast. 
If you have any questions about anything that you heard or you're interested in how you can be saved, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Again, thanks for joining us for this lesson, and we hope to hear from you soon.